0: And And now, on today's program, let's see where it takes us today. Roger that.
1: And welcome aboard.
0: Capturing this millisecond, it's a fraction of a second, it's the only thing in person. Welcome to the FujiLove Podcast, I'm your host Jens Krauer, and today once again we answer your questions that you submitted and we are of course going to talk about the newest addition to the Fujifilm camera family, the GFX100. If you would like to submit the question, please send us an email at jens.fujilove.com, that's j-e-n-s at fujilove.com and we're more than happy to answer any questions you have. Any questions about photography with Fujifilm cameras are welcome. Now, just back from the launch of the fabulous camera, the GFX100 at Fujikino in Japan. Welcome back to the podcast, Billy. How are you today?
1: Uh, thank you very much. Um, very well. And uh, thanks for everyone for having me back uh, with Fuji Love again on this uh, monthly podcast.
0: Such a pleasure as always. Now, I have to ask you first, um, for us who have not been there. How was Fujikino? Let us know what happened, how it was, and especially how big was the excitement about the launch of the GFX100? Yeah, uh,
1: of course, you know, the GFX100 is, uh, you know, uh, another game changer moment for Fujifilm. Uh, it was, you know, several years into making, uh, obviously when we developed our lenses for the GFX system that uh, we would be committed to uh, to this new system. And uh, obviously, looking in the future, we planned our our lenses to support this, you know, 100 megapixel sensor. And, uh, you know, at the event, I think everyone was uh, quite impressed uh, with what you get. Uh, um, And and it really is revolutionary if uh, you were looking into high resolution and looking into, uh, you know, a, a, a format of a sensor that was larger than full frame.
0: So there was uh, excitement in the room. We are we're going to talk about this in detail a little bit later on. I just want to pick up something that we talked about in the last podcast. You mentioned you always check those little accessory booths at uh, at Fuji Kino. Did you find any any treasures?
1: Yeah, actually, we uh, at the event there was um, a little marketplace bazaar. Um, this was actually more for the public time, so that would be that would have been on the uh, the Saturday and and the Sunday. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I was a- able to only attend the first day of the event. So uh, they didn't have that market set up. I didn't really see anything, although I did get into my possession uh, a little Fujikina GFX uh, little pin. Uh, they were very, very limited, and uh, I was lucky enough to uh, steal one from somebody. <laughs> so that, to me, is a-, is a great treasure because it's sort of like the Tokyo... Uh, logo uh, character but within the Tokyo character uh, there's a GFX word written inside so I thought that was kind of pretty ingenious of uh, the Japanese team to develop that.
0: I have to say I'm, I'm slightly jealous for those who don't know there's a little thing going on so wherever a Fujifilm is uh, present and there's a special occasion there's pins for the, the occasion so collecting those is definitely valuable and uh, I would love to have one of those but they are always very limited.
1: Yeah, it, they are. And to be honest with you, uh, when I first asked somebody, you know, I was kind of denied on the spot saying that they were quite limited. Uh, but, uh, you know, magically near the end of the event, uh, I got a hold of that. So, yeah, any of these events, these are kind of collector items uh, that we have. Uh, the last time I've been to one uh, was the five year anniversary of, uh, of the X series, and there was a special pin for. For that specifically. So
0: so congratulations that you got one. Uh, now, besides the GFX 100, uh, which we're going to talk about in a minute, what else happened at Fuji Kino that could be of interest for the Fuji Love community?
1: Uh, I think the uh, discussion really uh, was around sort of the GFX system and now it being complete that, uh, you know, there was basically a camera system that really could replace you know, uh, you know, a high-end, high-resolution DSLR. You know, at the moment, it's generally a combination of having, a, you know, a medium format uh, camera system and then having your DSLR to go along with that. And I think the excitement and interest from everybody and the focus of the event was, you know, really purely on the GFX 100 and uh, what it offered uh, into... Uh, um, the mix of all the cameras out there. And uh, really, it really is revolutionary in the, in the sense that it brings all the latest technology, like 2019 technology into sort of this medium format realm.
0: Exciting times indeed. First things first, let's start with the user questions. Our first question comes from Marius Peter or Peter Marius, I'm not really sure, from Indianapolis in the United States. He has an X-T3, does mainly stills, but sometimes uses the X-T3 to do videos. Now, he was thinking it would be a great idea that when you switch from still photography to the video function, you could actually preset certain settings, like the shutter speed, which follows a certain logic for video, etc. And he thinks it would be great if uh, we as users could configure this in the video recording tab in the menu and kind of preset how we want the camera to behave when we switch the mode what do you think about that Billy?
1: yeah i think it's always nice to have you know profiles uh you know for both stills and video i know using the q menu there's uh preset uh, profiles but they really only affect uh image quality and not necessarily uh you know actual shooting settings like aperture and shutter speeds uh currently on on the latest fujifilm cameras uh, like the X-T3, uh, like um, the X-T30 and, of course, uh, uh, the X-H1 and even the GFX 100 that we announced. Uh, they do have uh, what's called a movie silent control. Um, truthfully, the, the name really doesn't imply its main benefit, which is to isolate uh, uh, different settings to the still side of things. So uh, if you do own an X-T3, and you wanted independent independent settings from um, the photo side, then you would enable the movie silent control. And from there, of course, uh, I think we mentioned this in the last tip options, uh, that uh, you can actually set your aperture, your shutter speeds, and your ISO white balance and other things independent from the, uh, the still side of things. Saying that, of course, and you know, I, I would love to have different profiles for videos where you can just quickly set, you know, and if you you're wanting to have it on a gimbal for um, for one things like filming B-rolls or when you want to do interviews. Uh, yeah, it would be nice to have that, and I think um, to be honest with you, uh, the Fujifilm development team is kind of already aware of that type of request. It, it's it came up uh, several times in my meetings. Um, you know, that we have with the product development team. So uh, it's really just sit back and, you know, cross fingers and hope uh, eventually they have the time um, and the resources eventually to implement things like that. So, you know, in these meetings that we have, there's always a bunch of of. You know, nice to have, and you kind of have to break down nice to have from needs and then base it on priorities. So, um, you know, slowly but surely, I'm sure, uh, you know, if you stick with the Fujifilm system, um, you know, eventually, if it's not XT3 model or it's a firmware update or it's a new model, we'll, you know, hopefully that eventually that gets implemented. So I look forward to things like that as well since I do both uh, stills and video.
0: So the listener is also asking us the last part of his question, if he's having a good dream. I would add at that point that you're probably not only having a good dream, but that other people have the same dream as well. Now, Billy, I see lately, and I think that's also something which we're happy to receive from the listeners. We receive a lot of kind of functionality questions. Couldn't we do this? Couldn't we do that? So if you have things like that, please uh, bring them to us. Uh, Billy is always happy to, to transfer them to the development team. I think it's also kind of a trend. I see that if we go further into kind of these customizable functions in the menus i think that's going to add a lot of value even on top of what we already have from fujifilm
1: yeah that's right you know and i think there's been talks about that uh, like i as i mentioned and even in the video side of things uh where you know the q menu you have you know seven different custom settings uh currently um and um you know there's potential for that in the video side of things as well
0: let's move on to question number two which comes from matt from wales in the uk he loves his x100f for stills but he wants sometimes to make some family movies and he's wondering if if there's ever going to be a a digital stabilization in a camera like the x100f implemented after the fact by firmware are there any plans or ideas in this direction
1: absolutely i mean these are always again discussion points that, that we have when we develop uh uh cameras i think the product development team you know uh have priorities uh when they do develop cameras and uh you know they look at what the camera is for um isolate those priorities whether it being you know compact size or um you know a certain certain set of features uh, that they want and then they then kind of break down again additional features and functions that don't exist Uh, Saying that, of course, you know, the X100 series was, you know, in Fujifilm's mind, never really a, um, you know, video camera first. I think, uh, you know, we we have to kind of isolate the different categories of cameras that we have. Um, You know, if you wanted something that could do it all, you have sort of the X-T3 lineup. And if you wanted more of a, a photographic camera. Uh, you know these X100 uh, and even X Pro lines that we have, um, you know, were and are designed more towards that. Now, saying that, when you know we developed the the XF10 uh, camera, which is uh, not exactly what everyone was was hoping for from Fujifilm, uh, being a compact, you know, APS-C camera, I think uh, image quality in that camera actually is quite nice. It's excellent. It was lightweight, and that was the main goal. Uh, but one of the, uh, the things that we wanted to push on that was, you know, because it, uh, potentially could be a camera that you do a lot of videos with, um, being that it's with you all the time and being very compact and portable that, you know, there was talks of, um, uh, digital IS on that. And, uh, you know, absolutely there's that potential again, in my meetings, uh, with the product development teams in the past. Um, you know I generally bring that up because i'm a i'm a i'm a both a a, a video and you know and, and a stills user and uh you know I, I love to see more video features put in including you know things like digital is um, so who knows that you know that could happen but again it's really just on priorities but um as mentioned that's kind of already you know um talked about uh the function's already there in the sense that you know some of our cameras already have digital is and uh it's it's you know you know maybe that that comes to uh fruition down the road i i can't really say to be honest with you yeah
0: we understand i mean we we can never (laughs) go too much into those details but i think we gave you a hint matt and also consider which we also mentioned in in uh, prior uh, former podcasts Uh, Sometimes there might be limitations in firmware updates based on the generation of camera you have, but I think otherwise we can have faith in Fujifilm to give us uh, all that's possible uh, for our cameras once it's ready on the product development side.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think just to sum the question up really is that everything is possible, right? If, if you know, if it's not a limitations of the of the sensor, if it's not the limitation of the processor, then, of course, everything is going to be pos- possible. And it's really just based on, as I mentioned, priorities for for uh, when a camera is being developed, right? And, and if, you know, in this amount of time, you know you have these priorities and you have these top tens. Well, not every item will actually make that uh, launch for the product, uh, again, due to resources. And typically that's always going to be the case with any product development. There's, there's limited resources, uh, always, uh, the team at Fujifilm and, and even at other companies are, uh, you know, um, um, very, I guess, uh, um, tight when it comes to scheduling, um, you know, and, you know, projects can't have delays. And so uh, sometimes in order to ensure a product is released in time and on time, um, certain things need to be dropped by at the final things, but uh, you know, there's always a nice to have list and, and, you know, digital IS is, you know, sort of one of those nice to have things uh, um, that maybe hopefully down the road, it, it, it comes, uh, and makes it itself available. And uh, I guess once something is made available, especially with X-Series and especially with the newer processor, it becomes much easier to translate to uh, to newer models.
0: So uh, thank you for your questions. Again, if you want to submit questions, uh, send them to jens at fujilove.com. That's J-E-N-S at fujilove.com. Let's talk about cameras. Actually, we're going to the camera corner and we're talking about the big elephant in the room, the GFX100, and now we're gonna get into details about this. Before we go into any details, uh, when will the GFX100 hit the shelves of your local camera store or be available at your preferred online store? In other words, when can we get it officially?
1: Of course, we announced the GFX100 last week uh in in japan on the 20 uh 23rd may may 23rd and uh obviously it's quite an excitement an exciting piece and uh, a lot of people had the opportunity actually to visit the factory uh north of uh, tokyo where they got to see the gfx being assembled and obviously, that's really good news because, you know, if the, if the GFX system is being assembled, it means that, you know, uh, uh, availability is going to be uh, shortly thereafter. And so we're looking at, uh, at earliest, um, the end of June, beginning of July for availability for the GFX 100.
0: Great. So it's not that far. Actually, if you consider getting one, you don't have to wait that long until you can hold it in your hands. Uh, what I want to ask before we get into technical details, is this the end of the full-format discussion on the Fujifilm side in general? And uh, as uh, Toshihida-san mentioned at Photokina, is Fuji now just going super full frame?
1: Yeah, there was a, a little discussion point about you know the sensor size, because when we talk about digital, digital... Uh, you know, it's a little bit different, and everything's, for some reason we always talk legacy, including lenses, right? Like uh, everything is always based on 35 millimeter film, and so you know when we talk about X series lenses, you know there's always this this crop factor that we have to apply, uh, showing you what the 35 millimeter equivalency is, right? And you know the I I think you know there needs to be a point where we need to start moving away from older terminology. And I think, you know, this is probably why Japan, you know, has brought up the, uh, the fact that, you know, in the digital world, um, that really isn't, you know, um, consistency when we talk about sensor size, right? We, we, we currently launched the GFX system and we call it the G format. Um, and you know, it's, it, when we reflected to film, obviously, you know, it wasn't compared to as large, large format and and even medium format, you know, it was, you know, still slightly smaller than the average medium format film, you know, discussion. And, and I think they felt like they needed to go, go away from, from this legacy of film talk and talk specifically with, with digital cameras. Um, and so the the discussion point was to uh, talk about the sense of being sort of a large format, similar to I guess what's happening in the video industry when you say a large format lens, you know that's you know really you know just 35 millimeter, right? And so um, Toshi, who is you know a very intelligent you know guy and you know well loved, very passionate about the camera and and you know, I think you know his message was that you know this sensor is larger than thirty five millimeters, so um medium format was an old terminology that reflected film um and they just wanted to to tell people that have not shot film, you know that this sensor size is is much larger than that of uh thirty thirty five millimeter uh sensors uh, in the digital world
0: and yeah, it might just be uh, the end of the age as you as you mentioned where we uh, actually reference film as a as a standard for quality or, or picture size
1: yeah there's a lot of discussion points even on you know looking at you know medium format large format film like how much resolution was there from there from it because now when you look, look at digital i think you can achieve much higher resolution than film and so you know, is calling digital medium format, you know, okay when we call film large format when actually the medium format in digital is much better, right, in terms of resolution. And, uh, and so that's kind of where the discussion point went. And I think everyone obviously has their own uh, thought process when it comes to the naming convention of this. You know, a lot of our retailers uh, will continue to say medium format, and that's fine. Um, And uh, Fujifilm as a whole, I think, uh, you know, we will uh, continue to say that it is, you know, definitely larger than a 35 millimeter um, sensor in the digital side of things and uh, potentially, you know, will promote that the diagonal measurement of the sensor, which is obviously more accurate being 55 millimeters.
0: So it's a uh, kind of the start also of a new time, and I think that's also what the GFX uh, One Hundred stands for. Before we dive into the technical details, who is this camera for?
1: Uh, when we launched this uh, the GFX system, um, we wanted to, of course, have the greatest appeal to everyone and anyone who's ever j- dreamt about. You know having and owning a medium format camera right the truth of the matter is that there's very few people in the digital side of things that have shot medium format because it's just price-wise out of the reach um dslr cameras uh, with higher megapixels have obviously uh, uh broken through um, some of that uh, by providing really great image quality um, and high resolution but you know, they those cameras are still limited on on the lens and the resolving power of those lenses. And and uh, you know, we launched GFX, you know, the 50s and the R to appeal to not just the professionals and the ones that have used traditionally medium format, but to expand that to to everyone uh, that ever dreamt about having that look when it comes to you know this medium format or Uh, large format if one you want to call that but in saying that the GFX 100 um, obviously this is uh, for the the elites of the elites when it comes to uh, commercial photography um, to work that needs to be blown up quite large and for archival purposes right Uh, because the 100 megapixel is gonna ensure that you know, 50 years from now, the, you know, when you look back at the image, you are getting the best possible resolution you can to preserve, you know, the history of Earth. And I think, uh, you know, this is where this camera is going to appeal to. And of course, aside from that, you got landscape photographers, some higher end wedding photographers that uh, want to, you know, stand apart. And this is probably the first medium format that camera that can do, that can step out of, studio right the new autofocus system being phase detection first of its kind in in medium format having built-in ibis again first of its kind in medium format and you know on a body that's you know fully sealed from the elements allowing you to get out of the studios and shoot and the truth of the matter is that you know 100 megapixel resolution is 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 great um and having IBIS is very important, but the camera was also designed uh, to minimize the traditional issues of shutter shock, right? You'll find that even without IBIS, uh, that you can shoot uh, and have high resolution images from the sensor. So um, we really expanded this to the elites and to anyone who, you know, requires the best. And, you know, for anyone who's, who's rented a medium format, There's no reason now that you actually can just own a medium format camera for yourself and move that technology into uh, 2019, 2020.
0: Let's break this down a bit. Uh, First of all, talking about design and appeal, I have to say what a beauty of a camera. Larger than usual than we are used to from Fujifilm, but it's kind of the start of a new concept and a new design line when it comes to Fujifilm cameras. So we're we're clearly going a, a separate way with that line of camera, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we wanted to make this camera very distinct in the sense that this is a, a camera that you work with, right? This is not necessarily the traditional X series camera that are, that would you know appeal to a lot of enthusiasts who who would love the tactile dials and controls this is a functioning camera and uh you know for working photographers alike that that you know will put this camera through its paces and so this camera was designed in the mind of of um usability uh and th- there's obviously several portions to the usability part of that, from the way that it, from the grip and styling to having the vertical grip kind of built in. So it kind of was in, in line with cameras like uh, uh, Canon and Nikon in the higher end uh, DSLR where they have grips uh, built in. Also, the grip design was definitely helpful in the sense that you know it 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 uh, allow uh, more space for the uh, the battery. To uh, be at and of course with this camera you're getting you know well over 800 shots uh, you know with the two included batteries.
0: Can we say that this is the the start of a new chapter? Like can we dream about the speed and the usability of an XT3 in future GFX models with this kind of uh, image quality and sensor size?
1: Yeah, the GFX100. I mean it uses the X processor four, um, which is the same found on the XT3, and so the autofocus system. Um, The phase detection, you know, pixels on the sensor that obviously cover over 3 million um, sites in it. Um, Truthfully, they're the same, right? Uh, The autofocus actually technically should be the same. And the only limitations in autofocus is really the lens themselves uh, being different. And therefore, um, you know, although you'll see up to 200% improvement on current GF lenses, uh, the GF lenses that have the longest focal length usually benefits the most, while the wider lenses uh, have um, because they're already fast, uh, have the, the least uh, improvements. but in, in saying that, they're technically the same speed. So potentially if lenses uh, and the motors on them were designed faster somehow, then you're gonna you're gonna get that speed from the X processor 4 engine. Uh, so that's really the camera it's 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 somewhat future proof with that that processor and and really it's it's lens that's limiting the speed
0: so we're seeing the first uh, the first arrival of a, of a new generation and a different line of camera on the Fujifilm side also uh if you know you've sure noted and probably some of the listeners too there's a new way Fujifilm goes as well there's no or less physical dials which uh, have been the trademark of, of Fujifilm cameras. Instead, we get an OLED and an LCD display. Tell us a little bit about the physical user concept of the camera.
1: Again, we, we went to more of a working camera and having the, the traditional command dials on the front and rear is, to be honest with you, what a lot of people, uh, this category of customers that are using this, you know, want to have. Um the, The controls are actually quite simple. You still have aperture controls on the lens, of course. And uh, aside from that, if you wanted to use a command dial, then you would set the lens to the C position. And then, of course, you can use the uh, front or rear command dials to adjust the aperture. Uh, On the camera itself, uh, it doesn't have an ISO dial. It doesn't have a shutter speed dial. And so there's actually a, a button that you can set, and it basically takes the shutter the, the virtual shutter dial if you want to call it that from from automatic to you know a set number that that you want to specify and that's how you kind of navigate between you know psam modes uh, on this camera um the, the, the default buttons actually on top of the camera you push it and again it jumps the shutter dial that's traditionally found on fuji cameras from a to you know, a manual setting. Now the great thing of having virtual dials is that you now have expanded slower shutter speeds, right? Because there's only so much uh points on the uh on the dial that you can adjust. But now you obviously you have one third increments in between the shutter speeds. But also uh you have uh, in between uh slower shutter speeds. You know when you get down to like one second and two seconds and you, know, you start to jump to five and nine and, and whatnot, and now you have sort of one, two, uh, three, uh, and then so you have these like smaller increments. So if you're doing sort of um, long exposures, you have slightly more control over getting the right exposure without having to actually set it to the bulb mode. Um, what I like about the camera, though, is really these new panels, right? You got this top panel; it's much larger than the original uh, panel on the GFX 50S. Uh, it's it's sharper as well, and uh, although it's the same ratio, what's kind of nice on it is that you have, you know, various options of displays. You got, you know, when you're in in shooting modes, of course, you can customize it to show whatever you like. In video mode, you have independent independent settings, again, that you can show and, and configure that as well. But now you also got uh, a virtual dial, um, which mimics basically uh, having a physical dial. And that, to be honest with you, actually, that works quite well. Um, and to be honest with you, with this type of camera, I probably wouldn't miss the dial so much uh, with it and uh, And then, of course, last option on the top panel is sort of this histogram display. And uh, you know these are all great things that you can kind of do with with uh, the top um, monitor. And then on the bottom on the back of the camera, you got um, uh, this you know OLED display, a monochrome monochrome OLED display that can show you shooting information. You can configure it to show you know six items. Uh, Um, you know uh, more items uh, after that you've got exposure comp displays and then you got a live histogram option as well so if you're you know using the back of the lcd screen to frame your picture and and take pictures you can actually remove all that text from the screen and have your shooting information below and it's just going to give you a much you know more open space to compose and frame your shot.
0: It also shows uh, who Fujifilm is catering to with this camera. Talking about screens and the viewfinder, what I love is that Fujifilm kept the concept of the detachable viewfinder. And also, let's talk about that this is probably the highest resolution EVF up-to-date
1: in a Fujifilm camera, right? Yeah, it's a 5.76 million dot display. Uh, It has a very fast refresh rate of, uh, I believe, uh, 86 uh, frames per second. Uh, that's what, uh, you know, uh, the high performance mode uh, uh, turned on. Uh, it is a removable EVF. So just like the uh, GFX 50S uh, that comes with a body cap for, the, for that top part, if all you're doing is having it shoot in the studio and you prefer only to shoot with the uh, LCD screen on the back, you can do that. It makes the camera a little bit lighter. Ah uh, insane in saying that though, it's high resolution, uh, very bright, very clear, a great uh, um, you know viewing angle that uh, you know not gonna be any different than your your DSLR that you're used to with a you know point eight six magnification. Um, You got the diopter adjustment, and, of course, uh, it is a lockable diopter adjustment, and it's fully compatible with the existing uh, tilt adapter that we have available. So, again, if you want to shoot, uh, you know, waist level uh, with the EVF, especially for outdoor shooting, uh, you can do that. And, you know, I think um, this is quite ingenious of Fuji to continue on with that. Now, one point I do like to make is that the this 5.76 million dot display, uh, it's not going to be compatible with the, um, 50 S. So you, you couldn't take advantage of that high resolution. And, and if you have the older or the, um, the 50 S camera, uh, you won't be able to use this new EVF on that one and, or vice versa.
0: Okay, copy that. Speaking of uh, physical attachments and connections, uh, given that we cater kind of to the top of the top of the professionals, uh, what kind of physical connections do we find on the body? I'm assuming the camera is set up to be to be ran in in, in a larger setup or a studio with uh, plenty of possibilities to to connect uh, external gear.
1: You know, obviously we we took from the design of the XT three and follow some of the the connections using some of the latest ports that we have so of course on the camera you got uh, um a dual slot uh, sd card that supports ultra high speed two cards again i highly recommend you buy the uh the high-end cards that have minimum minimal write speeds that are super fast uh, i use basically a toshiba you know uh type Card that's a UHS 2. They're very, very expensive, but you know, using cards like that, you're gonna actually have a much better shooting experience, especially uh, you know, at 100 megapixels. You also got a 2.5 millimeter remote connector, uh, so if you wanted to put an intervalometer on it, uh, you can attach that. And I mentioned that with most of the Fuji cameras, it's compatible with a Canon you know, compatible 2.5 millimeter accessories. So whether it be a, a wireless trigger or, or a intervalometer uh, that will work on it. Of course, this camera does have Bluetooth, uh, low energy Bluetooth, but it also is the first camera that has, uh, you know, the, the 802.11 uh, AG uh, specification for, for um, uh, Wi-Fi. So you, you now have the five gigahertz uh, space, which, of course, is going to be uh, uh, very, very fast. Uh, I, I wouldn't say ideal for tethering. I would still say uh, to use the connectivity, uh, the actual wire connectivity on that. you got things like USB type C. It's a third gen 3.2. And so, you know, it's it's capable of, you know, 20 gigabits per second uh, transfers. Uh, using parallel channels so 10 gigab 10 gigabits per second each um it, it supports power delivery meaning that you can actually charge the the camera um i highly recommend you go out and buy yourself uh, if not even a battery, not even a battery pack, but actually those uh, high uh, PD uh, AC blocks that come with those batteries, because they really charge this camera super quick, and you can actually charge both both batteries within the camera using a USB-C connection to sort of uh, you know a, a little battery pack similar to what you know a MacBook would have uh, to power to power the uh, the MacBooks out there. Um, but again, you know, it is the latest, and it's the way you should use it for things like tethering. The camera is fully compatible with Capture One as well as Adobe Lightroom. Uh, and if you're a Capture One user right now, there's actually um, uh, there's actually a beta version of that software uh, that is actually already compatible with the uh, uh, GFX 100 RAW file, which is awesome. Uh, You also got uh, live view tethering capabilities now with Capture One with that little beta. So you guys want to check out, you know, Capture One software, the website. Uh, If you already own Capture One Pro uh, or the Pro Fujifilm version, uh, you know, try to download the beta and you can test out that for now. Also, um, whether you're a GFX100 user or any Fuji user, I recommend you guys check out Capture One's um, you know, other free software that that's that's available. I think, uh, you know, if you're using Lightroom, uh, this might be another alternative for you, and it's free. So I think uh, Capture One does a great job when it comes to working with Fujifilm RAW files. On the opposite hand, you got 3.5-millimeter connectors for both microphone and headphone, um, and then you got an AC connector that's 15 volts, Um, But like I said, again, if, you know, you don't want to buy the uh, 15-volt AC adapter, like you might already have it with the 50S or or 50R, but if you don't have it, you know, I recommend looking at uh, a power block um, USB-C that supports power delivery and has high voltage because um, that's another option to use. Not only does it charge the camera, but, uh, you know, you can also run off off from, from that as well, so use it as an AC adapter.
0: Now, what I'm wondering about, speaking of 100, or to be exact, 102 megapixels, how, how is it uh, dealing with, uh, with the files coming from the camera? What are we talking about in terms of file size?
1: Yeah, so uh, in terms of JPEG files, uh, so the 50S and R are uh, you know, 25 megabytes, so if you're looking at 100 megapixels, then realistically, you're looking at 50 megabyte uh, JPEG files. Um, And then, of course, uh, you got RAWs that are basically 200 uh, megabytes. So, um, you know, it's the price you pay for having high resolution. So definitely, you know, upgrading your hard drive using an external hard drive. You know, that's always going to be a a thing where, you know, it is when you invest into the system, you're going to have to invest into other things as well, including... Potentially, if you're using an older computer, you wanna have uh, the capabilities of editing 100 megapixel files, right? And uh, your computer better be up to standards for this uh, in order to work with that.
0: As we speak about the the sensor, this is a dual-gain sensor giving us a better low-light performance. Can you give us some details about this sensor technology? How does it exactly work? What I see is we get better ISO performance. That makes me tremendously happy. But please give us an insight in what is done there on a technical level.
1: It's a sim, sim same structure or similar structure as an X-T3. Uh, and so theoretically, you know, you have better dynamic range and you have better sensitivity, uh, which means that you have uh, uh, less noise uh, to end with, right? Uh, the base ISO on this camera is uh, 100 ISO, Um of course you can extend that uh, lower or higher uh, as you need but uh, you know in saying that it's still you know the same sensor size as a 50s and a 50r right now you're cramming more megapixels into that sensor and so the cell structure itself you know is going to be smaller uh than the 50s right and it's just a matter of physics and so benefits you get with bsi technology of course it's copper wiring to reduce noise as well and for speed and fast readout um you know and you get all those gains but you know because the cell structure is smaller then you have to step back on that a little bit more you know so similar idea to an xt3 versus an xt2 you had more megapixels but then you know, and you have BSI, so you get benefits, but you have to step back. So in terms of dynamic range, you can get similar um, performance uh, both with an S and uh, the 100, so about 14 stops of dynamic range. Uh, definitely for low low noise, you it does improvements. But again, you're looking at a cell cell structure of 3.76 uh, micrometers versus 5.3. And so on a 50S, so, you know, it being a little bit smaller, uh, the noise really cancels out, meaning that, you know, you can see that great of a difference. Not really. But when it comes to low noise autofocusing, sorry, when it comes to low light autofocusing, that's where you're seeing the improvement with uh, with this technology. With this technology
0: good i'm, I'm always happy uh, about anything that enables me to eliminate the difference between light and dark so that's uh, that's uh, great news there's another part that plays into that and probably the one that is uh, was most talked about ahead of the launch and currently is talked about uh, as being part of all future fujifilm cameras let's talk about the the ibis in the gfx 100. it says you get up to 5.5 stops out of the ibis the built-in um, tell us a little bit about how this technically works and uh, how this uh, executes when you when you use the camera.
1: Yeah, first off, um, you know the design of the IBIS system is very unique with Fuji in that sense that you know we got these two duo motors that are calculating over ten thousand calculations uh, you know uh, every time to to counteract any type of, of, of motion that happens. Um, very similar to the X-H1, of course, but now we had to design it for a much larger sensor. Everything becomes heavier and things get a little bit bigger. So there's several steps that we wanted to do was we wanted to make sure that this IBIS unit we, was isolated from the actual frame of the camera. And so the IBIS and the sensor are actually one one unit combined and then framed in a magnesium housing. That magnesium housing um, is then um, attached to the, uh, the frame with some shock absorbers to dampen any movement. So the focal plane shutter is attached to the body and then the uh, IBIS sensor unit is then attached then through these uh, little bumpers, rubber bumpers that, uh, and, and uh, springs that prevent uh, shutter shock step that was step one right to reduce any type of, of movement and then designing of that ibis system you know to a perfectly leveled position is going to give you the best results and 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 that measurement is it's quite fine so you know if the sensor itself is slightly tilted away from the axis uh you know then you know ibis is is not going to be ideal and so we have a very low tolerance Uh, when it comes to designing the IBIS system, again, similar to what we did with um, uh, the X-H1. And, uh, you know, we sort of was able to achieve this incredible 5.5 stops on a very large sensor. And and in real-world usage, actually, in my own personal feel on this, I felt actually it was better than the X-H1. I felt uh, that you know shots were very very stable and you know both from the photo side of things you can shoot quite low uh, low shutter speeds and still get very sharp one hundred megapixel image. But in addition to that, if you're in the video side of things, uh, it's it's quite amazing. And you know it's like this this could be the the camera that you can use for documentary work, right? To create short films, uh, short docs that uh, where you don't don't want to lug around. A gimbal or any other devices, you can just hold this, and uh, it works quite well. Of course, right now, just like the XH one, the Ibis unit, unit unit doesn't work in conjunction with the OIS on the lens at this time. But you know, obviously, like the XH one, you know, I see uh, you know down the road, uh, you know, it being supported.
0: We can definitely say this is the best medium format video camera currently around uh, given the ibis given all the other features i don't think it's a vlogging camera but if you're into like cinematic things and you're very well planning shots i see an incredible potential in this camera especially given that in the menu you have the same functionality set as you have in an XT3, plus you can also mount the Fujifilm Cinema lenses. So I'm super interested in what is going to come from the video side of things from the GFX100. Yeah,
1: we launched a uh, you know a large format you know Fujinon lens for cinema, um, you know the Permista lenses, and actually you can just get an adapter and adapt it to it, and um, the coverage actually on that lens is quite incredible. It it, it almost covers the uh, the sensor itself. Uh, and so already you kind of have these these uh, high quality um, 4K lenses and, and that Fujinon develops and, and make this camera quite serious, right? Like, you know, a lot of people might say, well, you know, this camera is not a cinema camera, um, you know, no way it can, can compete. But, you know, it could be a game changer, just like, you know, when Canon launched their 5D in the industry. You know, it doesn't have the connectivity that it would have like any other true cinema camera, yet it still was adopted uh, and used. Uh, and so uh, this could be that piece that, uh, you know, for someone who wants to set themselves apart, uh, it does have a 55 millimeter diameter. So, you know, it it's close to, you know, um, large format video cameras uh, uh, that shoot little bit bigger than this and so you're gonna get that unique look potentially and of course for low light uh shooting and video uh it's gonna be excellent for that
0: this is also where we come a little bit full circle with what we discussed before what excites me is the fact that the functionality is there uh, it looks great and as we know the the fuji film uh, philosophy of of kaizen uh, we will most probably get quite some improvements in the future when it comes to the video side of things and that's quite exciting given the camera the size of the sensor etc
1: yeah i mean there's already a lot of video features found on this camera i mean it offers things like 420 10 bit internal and 422 422- 10 bit uh, to uh, via the HDMI. You got all the video controls that you found on, that's found on the XT3, which of course is a award winning, you know, camera that, that for both movies and stills. Uh, you got face and eye tracking, which is the first of its kind for medium format. In fact, it works quite well, It's quite precise. You got low light focusing capabilities, and so you know all these things play into a camera that is highly capable, right? Um, for the movie side of things. And I I think for someone who finally wants to get rid of the DSLR and move into medium format, this is, uh, you know, a a great option, right? For both photos and then also some stills, a part of it. So if you're doing a lot of documentary work, uh, short docs, um, and you want to travel and and be very light, still have that Alexa look to it potentially, uh, this is Maybe the camera you should, should, should look at.
0: Exciting times and indeed a game changer on the market, probably from here on forward. And we're super excited to see what comes in the future of the GFX 100. Finally, and to give this whole thing also a little bit of context when it comes to medium format, let's talk price. And as I said, especially price in the context of the market for medium format.
1: So the, the retail price on the body is, uh, you know, 10,000 US. Dollars uh, for the Canadians out there. That's uh, thirteen thousand three hundred Canadian. And I think uh, honestly, if you were currently in the medium format, you know, market looking for a replacement to your current medium format, you know, or you're renting, stop renting. This is definitely the camera to look at. And when it comes to replacing your medium format. To be honest with you, if you're not looking at this camera, uh, you're living in a cave because really um, you cannot get the performance in medium form that you get from this camera at this amazing price point, to be honest with you.
0: So category number three, a bit later than usual, but we're there. Lens corner and we stay true to the subject of this episode of the podcast. We're going to talk about GF lenses. Take it away, Billy.
1: So when we developed the GFX camera system, uh, obviously we, we uh, are starting from scratch. And you know when we developed our GF lenses for the system, we needed to pre- prepare for the future. We obviously had an idea uh, of potentially a hundred megapixel sensor that would come our way. And so when we developed our GF lenses, um, the lens designers were were creating it to resolve, you know, this higher resolution 100 megapixels. And, you know, one of the first things uh, that was told to us uh, when I was in Japan for a GFX meeting uh, was when they tested the GFX 100 with the lens for the very first time in a a real-life scenario, they were quite happy that the lens that they designed, you know, a couple years ago... (laughs) Actually, was perfectly matched for this sensor, meaning uh, they did the job right off the bat perfectly. And so, the current GF lenses that we have in our lineup, uh, you know, are a perfect fit for the GFX one hundred. And and we're just growing that line. I mean, we got the twenty three millimeter, forty five, sixty three. We got one of my favorite one ten f twos. We got the one twenty macro f four. And you slap on, you slap on um, um, a macro extension tube, and you can turn that into a one-to-one for macro. You got the 250 f/4, and you got several zooms coming out. We got the 3264, the 100, the 200, and then we're gonna have a a basically wider, wider zoom as well. Um, And then later on, we launched the GF. um, 50 lens, which uh, it's going to be perfectly paired with the 50R, and that combination is going to make it the lightest medium format system to date, uh, in terms of, of in terms of weight. Uh, so uh, you know, when you're moving into the GFX system, uh, you got quite a lot of options. And the great thing about the GFX system is that it uses a focal plane shutter, meaning that it's quite adept to. Um, working with and adapting to other lenses, right? Whether it be Canon lenses or, or it be, you know, other medium format lenses. I think the focal plane shutter really allows for, for, for the ability to grow your lenses uh, and, and use the various lenses that exist plus the lenses that we develop specifically for this system.
0: So we see that Fujifilm is fully invested into the GFX system and there's uh, exciting uh, lenses coming up as well in the future. I think a main point and probably also a question on the listener side would then have been, uh, did you compromise on on the quality when it came to putting lenses on the larger sensor? I'm glad to say that this was not the case at all. So there's no compromise in quality when it comes uh, to stepping it up to 100 megapixels.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, as I mentioned, uh, the lens designer were are very pleased that the, the, the lens that they designed for 100 megapixel actually worked uh, when the 100 megapixel uh, sensor did come out. And uh, you know, we actually had several tests against even the, the IQ uh, uh, phase cameras. And uh, truthfully, I think uh, definitely ours showed better because the lens that we use you know, it's been designed for for that resolution, and uh, and that's the difference of moving into the GFX system is that it is a complete system, right, with body and lens, and it's all digital. It's not, uh, you know, a combination of mechanical old, you know, you know, SLR style lenses, cameras to to uh, digital backs and all that. And again, you're getting a a, a modern system with uh, modern modern image quality.
0: We will move on to our next category, which is the accessories corner. Let's talk about battery grips on Fujifilm cameras.
1: The grip options are are obviously nice for people that uh, are shooting professionally or want to work with larger lenses. They do provide better balances with that, you know, aside from the metal hand grips that are available for some cameras or through third party. Uh, Companies, they they do add better ergonomics. Grips themselves add not just uh, better ergonomics, but also uh, functionality. So uh, when we look at cameras like the X-H1, the X-T3, and even the GFX 50S, you have these optional grips. Uh, All of our Fujifilm grips, uh, of course, accept um, uh, batteries, uh, aside from the battery that's already in the camera. Um, and so you're gaining, you know, um, long longer pa- battery life uh, when you do that. But the grips also act as chargers. So, uh, for instance, the XH1, um, you know, with the AC adapter uh, plugged into the to the grip, you can charge two batteries. It's like having sort of a dual charger. Plus, you got all the controls, uh, AF joysticks, and function buttons, the command dials. Uh, when shooting vertically. So um, these are options to look at. I wouldn't say it's for everybody. Uh, Jens, like yourself, you know, I don't use a grip because I I prefer having smaller cameras. Uh, But in saying that, if you're, you know, obviously shooting day in, day out with larger lenses and require the better balance, especially shooting a lot of portraits, you know, you might want to look at the grip. Uh, Again, you know, having, you know, better hold on the camera, number one, it act as a as a as a charger to charge two batteries that's obviously great on the GFX of course it's just one battery uh, that that you get to insert um, and you know a lot of times when when we launched up cameras I think the specials on on buying the body and the grip together right so it could be an opportunity when and when a camera launches you know to look at something like that
0: Let's move on to the tip corner, which is one of my absolute favorites. Every time, Billy, you come up with a tip, I have a takeaway from myself of something that I didn't know before. I'm not sure if that is the case today because I've been dealing with this uh, specific uh, setting on the camera a lot. We are going to talk about eye sensor options.
1: Yeah, um, you know, everyone, most of our our cameras that have an EVF, of course, has a built-in eye sensor and it switches between the the rear LCD and the electronic viewfinder. Uh, The button to toggle between the different modes, of course, is quite close to where the EVF would be. Uh, on an X-T30, it would be just to the right of the uh, the the eyepiece. On an X-H1 or X-T3, and even GFX will be on the, the right-hand side, potentially with a little button that says uh, View Mode. And that will toggle you through several modes. Now, it's obviously very obvious uh, for some, but there's a couple of key modes that I, I want to talk about today. Uh, first off, of course, you can obviously set it so that the LCD is on, all the time. So, the eye sensor basically is disabled. Uh, you can set it on so that the EVF is on all the time. So, again, uh, the opposite of the, of the LCD. You have the eye sensor mode, which is a default mode. And basically, it just jumps from the, from the LCD to the EVF. On cameras like the X-T3 uh, and the GFX100, when you tilt the LCD out, uh, it actually disables the eye sensor so it doesn't it doesn't toggle the switch uh unfortunately that doesn't happen with the xt30 uh and so you have to physically you know choose lcd only um, when you're using you know when you're tilting the lcd and it's also quite useful for when you know you're filming and you obviously don't you want to use the lcd for video and you don't want it to jump to the evf then you would obviously control the view modes to set it to lcd only there's also uh a mode that basically uh, disables both the LCD and the EVF, and it only turns on the EVF when you put your eyes to the eye sensor. So if you're walking around and uh, you're shooting a lot and you don't want to turn on your camera to conserve battery life, this is a great option to have in the sense that uh, you know really the camera is on, but, the, but both the EVF and the LCD is, is, is turned off um and uh that you know will conserve battery life that's tip number one uh there's also a new feature called um basically eye sensor plus lcd display Uh, and what that does is that it works by you know just toggling between the lcd and the and the uh and the uh, evf but when you're shooting continuous shots um you can keep firing a bunch of shots and then when you pull the uh your eyes away from the evf then the last picture that you just shot stays on the back of the lcd so if i snap a bunch of shots pull away uh that image kind of displays uh on on the back of the uh, lcd and i think that's quite useful for uh, when you're shooting a lot of sports or even shooting kids right and and you want to fire a bunch of shots without being interrupted and then you want to pull back and kind of see that last image so that's my tip to you today is to check out the eye sensor plus lcd image display Uh, that's going to be great for shooting a lot of continuous shots a lot of action where you don't want to chimp on every shot but uh, you might want to look at every five or six shots and uh, not have to push the playback button to see that last shot that you've taken
0: So we're closing in to the end of the podcast. Obviously, we've been heavily centered around the GFX 100, and there might even be a part two of that, as we did not really touch all the points that could be of interest for you as a listener. If you have a question, please do not hesitate. We're happy to receive your questions. Send them to jens at fujilove.com. That's J-E-N-S at fujilove.com. So, Billy, thank you so much again for the freshest news around the GFX 100 and the Fuji Kino, and we'll talk to you in a month.
1: Great, and thanks for having me, and see everyone uh, next month.
0: Thank you for checking in and listening to the Fujilove.com podcast. Check out Fujilove.com, where we live and breathe all things Fujifilm and photography
1: with Fujifilm cameras.